part five section two of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part five the entail section two i started to my feet in terror the book fell from my hands in the very same moment however all was still again and i began to be ashamed of my childish fears the door must have been burst open by a strong gust of wind or in some other natural manner it is nothing my overstrained fancy converts every ordinary occurrence into the supernatural having thus calmed my fears i picked up my book from the ground and again threw myself in the armchair but there came a sound of soft slow measured footsteps moving diagonally across the hall whilst there was a sighing and moaning at intervals and in this sighing and moaning there was expressed the deepest trouble the most hopeless grief that a human being can know ha it must be some sick animal locked up somewhere in the basement story such acoustic deceptions at night-time making distant sounds appear close at hand are well known to everybody who will suffer himself to be terrified at such a thing as that thus i calmed my fears again but now there was a scratching at the new portion of the wall whilst louder and deeper sighs were audible as if gasped out by someone in the last throes of mortal anguish yes yes it is some poor animal locked up somewhere i will shout as loudly as i can i will stamp violently on the floor then all will be still or else the animal below will make itself heard more distinctly and in its natural cries i thought but the blood ran cold in my veins the cold sweat too stood upon my forehead and i remained sitting in my chair as if transfixed quite unable to rise still less to cry out at length the abominable scratching ceased and i again heard the footsteps life and motion seemed to be awakened in me i leapt to my feet and went two or three steps forward but then there came an ice-cold draught of wind through the hall whilst at the same moment the moon cast her bright light upon the statue of a grave if not almost terrible-looking man and then as though his warning voice rang through the louder thunders of the waves and the shriller piping of the wind i heard distinctly no further no further or you will sink beneath all the fearful horrors of the world of spectres then the door was slammed too with the same violent bang as before and i plainly heard the footsteps in the anteroom then going down the stairs the main door of the castle was opened with a creaking noise and afterwards closed again then it seemed as if a horse were brought out of the stable and after a while taken back again and finally all was still at that same moment my attention was attracted to my old uncle in the adjoining room he was groaning and moaning painfully this brought me fully to consciousness again i seized the candles and hurried into the room to him he appeared to be struggling with an ugly unpleasant dream wake up wake up i cried loudly taking him gently by the hand and letting the full glare of the light fall upon his face he started up with a stifled shout and then looking kindly at me said i you have done quite right that you have cousin to wake me i have had a very ugly dream and it's all solely owing to this room and that hall 
for they made me think of past times and many wonderful things that have happened here but now let us turn to and have a good sound sleep therewith the old gentleman rolled himself in the bed covering and appeared to fall asleep at once but when i had extinguished the candles and likewise crept into bed i heard him praying in a low tone to himself next morning we began work in earnest the land steward brought his account books and various other people came some to get a dispute settled some to get arrangements made about other matters at noon my uncle took me with him to the wing where the two old baronesses lived that we might pay our respects to them with all due form francis having announced us we had to wait some time before a little old dame bent with the weight of her sixty years and attired in gay-coloured silks who styled herself the noble lady's lady-in-waiting appeared and led us into the sanctuary there we were received with comical ceremony by the old ladies whose curious style of dress had gone out of fashion years and years before i especially was an object of astonishment to them when my uncle with considerable humour introduced me as a young lawyer who had come to assist him in his business their countenances plainly indicated their belief that owing to my youth the welfare of the tenants of r sitten was placed in jeopardy although there was a good deal that was truly ridiculous during the whole of this interview with the old ladies i was nevertheless still shivering from the terror of the preceding night i felt as if i had come in contact with an unknown power or rather as if i had grazed against the outer edge of a circle one step across which would be enough to plunge me irretrievably into destruction as though it were only by the exertion of all the power of my will that i should be able to guard myself against that awful dread which never slackens its hold upon you until it ends in incurable insanity hence it was that the old baronesses with their remarkable towering head-dresses and their peculiar stuff gowns tricked off with gay flowers and ribbons instead of striking me as merely ridiculous had an appearance that was both ghostly and awe-inspiring my fancy seemed to glean from their yellow withered faces and blinking eyes ocular proof of the fact that they had succeeded in establishing themselves on at least a good footing with the ghosts who haunted the castle as it derived auricular confirmation of the same fact from the wretched french which they croaked partly between their tightly closed blue lips and partly through their long thin noses and also that they themselves possessed the power of setting trouble and dire mischief at work my uncle who always had a keen eye for a bit of fun entangled the old dames in his ironical way in such a mishmash of nonsensical rubbish that had i been in any other mood i should not have known how to swallow down my immoderate laughter but as i have just said the baronesses and their twaddle were and continued to be in my regard ghostly so that my old uncle who was aiming at affording me an especial diversion glanced across at me time after time utterly astonished so after dinner when we were alone together in our room he burst out but in heaven's name cousin tell me what is the matter with you you don't laugh you don't talk you don't eat and you don't drink are you ill or is anything else the matter with you i now hesitated not a moment to tell him circumstantially all my terrible awful experiences of the previous night i did not conceal anything 
and above all i did not conceal that i had drunk a good deal of punch and had been reading schiller's ghost seer this i must confess to i add for only so can i credibly explain how it was that my overstrained and active imagination could create all those ghostly spirits which only exist within the sphere of my own brain i fully expected that my uncle would now pepper me well with the stinging pellets of his wit for this my fanciful ghost-seeing but on the contrary he grew very grave and his eyes became riveted in a set stare upon the floor until he jerked up his head and said fixing me with his keen fiery eyes your book i am not acquainted with cousin but your ghostly visitants were due neither to it nor to the fumes of the punch i must tell you that i dreamt exactly the same things that you saw and heard like you i sat in the easy-chair beside the fire at least i dreamt so but what was only revealed to you as slight noises i saw and distinctly comprehended with the eye of my mind yes i beheld that foul fiend come in stealthily and feebly step across to the bricked-up door and scratch at the wall in hopeless despair until the blood gushed out from beneath his torn fingernails then he went downstairs took a horse out of the stable and finally put him back in again did you also hear the cock crowing in a distant farmyard up at the village you came and awoke me and i soon resisted the baneful ghost of that terrible man who is still able to disturb in this fearful way the quiet lives of the living the old gentleman stopped and i did not like to ask him further questions being well aware that he would explain everything to me when he deemed that the proper time was come for doing so after sitting for a while deeply absorbed in his own thoughts he went on cousin do you think you have courage enough to encounter the ghost again now that you know all that happens that is to say along with me of course i declared that i now felt quite strong enough and ready for what he wished then let us watch together during the coming night the old gentleman went on to say there is a voice within me telling me that this evil spirit must fly not so much before the power of my will as before my courage which rests upon a basis of firm conviction i feel that it is not at all presumption in me but rather a good and pious deed if i venture life and limb to exorcise this foul fiend that is banishing the sons from the old castle of their ancestors but what am i thinking about there can be no risk in the case at all for with such a firm honest mind and pious trust that i feel i possess i and everybody cannot fail to be now and always victorious over such ghostly antagonists and yet if after all it should be god's will that this evil power be enabled to work me mischief then you must bear witness cousin that i fell in honest christian fight against the spirit of hell which was here busy about its fiendish work as for yourself keep at a distance no harm will happen to you then our attention was busily engaged with diverse kinds of business until evening came as on the day before francis had cleared away the remains of the supper and brought us our punch the full moon shone brightly through the gleaming clouds the sea waves roared and the night wind howled and shook the oriel window until the panes rattled although inwardly excited we forced ourselves to converse on indifferent topics the old gentleman had placed his striking watch on the table it struck twelve 
then the door flew open with a terrific bang and just as on the preceding night soft slow footsteps moved stealthily across the hall in a diagonal direction whilst there were the same sounds of sighing and moaning my uncle turned pale but his eyes shone with an unusual brilliance he rose from his armchair stretching his tall figure up to its full height so that as he stood there with his left arm propped against his side and with his right stretched out towards the middle of the hall he had the appearance of a hero issuing his commands but the sighing and moaning were growing every moment louder and more perceptible and then the scratching at the wall began more horribly even than on the previous night my uncle strode forward straight towards the walled-up door and his steps were so firm that they echoed along the floor he stopped immediately in front of the place where the scratching noise continued to grow worse and worse and said in a strong solemn voice such as i had never before heard from his lips daniel daniel what are you doing here at this hour then there was a horrible unearthly scream followed by a dull thud as if a heavy weight had fallen to the ground seek for pardon and mercy at the throne of the almighty that is your place away with you from the scenes of this life in which you can never more have part and as the old gentleman uttered these words in a tone still stronger than before a feeble wail seemed to pass through the air and die away in the blustering of the storm which was just beginning to rage crossing over to the door the old gentleman slammed it too so that the echo rang loudly through the empty anteroom there was something so supernatural almost in both his language and his gestures that i was deeply struck with awe on resuming his seat in his armchair his face was as if transfigured he folded his hands and prayed inwardly in this way several minutes passed when he asked me in that gentle tone which always went right to my heart and which he always had so completely at his command well cousin agitated and shaken by awe terror fear and pious respect and love i threw myself upon my knees and rained down my warm tears upon the hand he offered me he clasped me in his arms and pressing me fervently to his heart said very tenderly now we will go and have a good quiet sleep good cousin and we did so and as nothing of an unusual nature occurred on the following night we soon recovered our former cheerfulness to the prejudice of the old baronesses for though there did still continue to be something ghostly about them and their odd manners yet it emanated from a diverting ghost which the old gentleman knew how to call up in a droll fashion at length after the lapse of several days the baron put in his appearance along with his wife and a numerous train of servants for the hunting the guests who had been invited also arrived and the castle now suddenly awakened to animation became the scene of the noisy life and revelry which have been before described when the baron came into our hall soon after his arrival he seemed to be disagreeably surprised at the change in our quarters casting an ill-tempered glance towards the bricked-up door he turned abruptly round and passed his hand across his forehead as if desirous of banishing some disagreeable recollection my great-uncle mentioned the damage done to the justice hall and the adjoining apartments but the baron found fault with francis for not accommodating us with better lodgings 
and he good-naturedly requested the old gentleman to order anything he might want to make his new room comfortable for it was much less satisfactory in this respect than that which he had usually occupied on the whole the baron's bearing towards my old uncle was not merely cordial but largely coloured by a certain deferential respect as if the relation in which he stood towards him was that of a younger relative but this was the sole trait that could in any way reconcile me to his harsh imperious character which was now developed more and more every day as for me he seemed to notice me but little if he did notice me at all he saw in me nothing more than the usual secretary or clerk on the occasion of the very first important memorandum that i drew up he began to point out mistakes as he conceived in the wording my blood boiled and i was about to make a caustic reply when my uncle interposed informing him briefly that i did my work exactly in the way he wished and that in legal matters of this kind he alone was responsible when we were left alone i complained bitterly of the baron who would i said always inspire me with growing aversion i assure you cousin replied the old gentleman that the baron notwithstanding his unpleasant manner is really one of the most excellent and kind-hearted men in the world as i have already told you he did not assume these manners until the time he became lord of the entail previous to then he was a modest gentle youth besides he is not after all so bad as you make him out to be and further i should like to know why you are so averse to him as my uncle said these words he smiled mockingly and the blood rushed hotly and furiously into my face i could not pretend to hide it from myself i saw it only too clearly and felt it too unmistakably that my peculiar antipathy to the baron sprang out of the fact that i loved even to madness a being who appeared to me to be the loveliest and most fascinating of her sex who had ever trod the earth this lady was none other than the baroness herself her appearance exercised a powerful and irresistible charm upon me at the very moment of her arrival when i saw her traversing the apartments in her russian sable cloak which fitted close to the exquisite symmetry of her shape and with a rich veil wrapped about her head moreover the circumstance that the two old aunts with still more extraordinary gowns and beribboned head-dresses than i had yet seen them wear were sweeping along one on each side of her and cackling their welcomes in french whilst the baroness was looking about her in a way so gentle as to baffle all description nodding graciously first to one and then to another and then adding in her flute-like voice a few german words in the pure sonorous dialect of courland all this formed a truly remarkable and unusual picture and my imagination involuntarily connected it with the ghostly midnight visitant the baroness being the angel of light who was to break the ban of the spectral powers of evil this wondrously lovely lady stood forth in startling reality before my mind's eye at that time she could hardly be nineteen years of age and her face as delicately beautiful as her form bore the impression of the most angelic good-nature but what i especially noticed was the indescribable fascination of her dark eyes for a soft melancholy gleam of aspiration shone in them like dewy moonshine whilst a perfect elysium of rapture and delight was revealed in her sweet and beautiful smile 
she often seemed completely lost in her own thoughts and at such moments her lovely face was swept by dark and fleeting shadows many observers would have concluded that she was affected by some distressing pain but it rather seemed to me that she was struggling with gloomy apprehensions of a future pregnant with dark misfortunes and with these strangely enough i connected the apparition of the castle though i could not give the least explanation of why i did so End of part five the entail section two recording by expatriate in bangor maine